Welcome to the Rock Fight, where we speak our truth, slay sacred cows, and sometimes agree to disagree. I'm Colin True. If you serve in any sort of customer service, sales, or marketing role, there is a better than good chance that you have attended a trade show at some point, regardless of the industry you work in. For the outdoor industry, one show has been the go-to marketplace for over 40 years, Outdoor Retailer. Originally conceived as a place for outdoor gear and apparel makers to peddle their wares to retail partners, OR eventually became a twice-annual nexus event for the outdoor community. And OR is at an interesting point in its history. Now, I spent many years at outdoor brands that all exhibited at Outdoor Retailer, and I was part of many conversations, usually after the show had just ended, debating the value of attending. Long gone were the days where you could tie your meetings at the show to actual orders and apply a bottom-line ROI. Business would get done, but the show's value was always tied to media appointments, you know, a little lead generation, and being part of the broader outdoor community. Which is a special thing. I don't know of many other industries that have participants that willingly shell out thousands of dollars to attend an event without the expectation of what they'll get back. How we got here really doesn't matter. It's all about what we do going forward. Long-running adjacent shows like The Running Event and new shows like The Big Gear Show present themselves as back-to-the-roots options for retailers and brands. Business still gets done at regional rep shows and at places like the GOA Show, supporting the dealers of the outdoor specialty buying group, the Grassroots Outdoor Alliance. And there are also calls to integrate consumers into shows that historically have been closed to the public. And that's what we're here to talk about today. There are questions to answer, and that's why I asked Kenji Haratunian to come on the show. If you work in the outdoor industry, you probably know Kenji, a former employee at the iconic A16, former showrunner of Outdoor Retailer, and current showrunner of The Big Gear Show, Kenji has been through all of it. When it comes to trade shows and their roles within the outdoor industry, he's the authority. There is really no one better to talk about this subject than Kenji. So let's get into it. I'm Colin True, this is The Rock Fight, and today we're picking a fight with outdoor trade shows. Hey Kenji, welcome to the show, thanks for coming on. Thanks, Colin. Always good to see you and be with you here. So I want to start with the current state of outdoor retailer. You know, after many years of brands talking about not attending behind the scenes, they basically finally stopped coming after the initial outcry and boycott of Utah Public Land started it and then COVID finished it. With the show back in Salt Lake, brands were sort of able to use the boycott as a public reason not to attend. I think when reality, we know that they were able to trial not attending the past three years. It didn't impact businesses. And I'm talking about the big anchor brands, right? You know, the ones who, you know, have really driven the, the show in the past. It didn't really seem to impact their business is my uh, point of view. So now they can use the boycott to save face when in reality, I kind of feel like they probably were not going to come back. But I mean, you ran OR sort of after the peak of the early 2000s, about that time when I know that we, like brands I was working at, we were starting to question the overall value because the ROI, to tying it to you know bottom line revenue wasn't quite what it once was. I mean, was it obvious to you then kind of where the show was headed? Did you see that you know, we're probably going to, it was going to decline or do you kind of feel like, man, we were going to ride that wave. It was always going to keep going. What was that kind of your purview at the time? I, you know, I, I started as the show director at Outdoor Retailer in 2007. And I'd been with the team since 1999, the infamous tornado show. Oh, so tornado year. Yeah. I had kind of ridden that, uh, you know, storm a bit and, and then took the helm in 2007. And so we, it was already right, you know, you know, very much in a rising situation. When I first came on with, with at that time, the company was called Miller Freeman. 
you know, action sports retailer was kind of the big show. That was the surf and skate, mm. you know, action sports industry. And there was also Interbike and then Outdoor Retailer had two shows. Um, but Outdoor Retailer became the show that was really growing uh, both summer and winter. And in fact, winter actually was the faster growing show during my, the course of time that I spent there. I think the peak years, you know, from a attendance and square footage standpoint was somewhere in the 2011, 12, 13 zone. There were definitely, even then, the thing about shows, especially large shows that address a lot of different markets, is that you're, you're trying to compromise with dozens of sort of major entities, you know, and, and the idea of even calling something the outdoor industry is a little bit um, <laughs> creative, I'll just say, because if it's the outdoor industry, then where's the fishing and the hunting and the, and the motor, you know, overland. Motor yeah. Is, right. And that's, where is all that? Well, it, there's not, none of that here. Well, so what a version of outdoor is this? And, you know, you, you could, there's just not a really neat name to call it like outdoor industry. You'd have to call it the human powered on uh, public lands, outdoor <laughs> recreation industry or something like that uh, around winter sports <laughs> and then summer. So, it, and so uh, it was always tugging and, and pushing the different market segments and the timing was always a compromise. Like, why are we in August? Shouldn't we be in June or shouldn't we be in October? Um, and, and whenever we did surveys, there was no consensus. So the idea that there's a consensus around the most of the industry wants to do this or that, like that's, that's not true. There's yeah, that always, always felt like bullshit to me. You know, I, yeah. It, yeah, it's it's spread pretty much evenly like thin peanut butter across the entire coast of America um, as far as where and as far as when in the calendar and even the format. So, well, and for a long yeah. time, people would show up. I mean, so if that was really the case, you would think that especially retailers, if this is if this show has no value to you, then why do you continue to fly to Salt Lake City twice a year? That didn't happen. People for a long time, it was oh, people. Everyone showed up all the time. Right. And there were and there were hundreds of reasons why people would come, you know, and whether they were seeking a new job or whether they were, right. you know, uh, launching a new category with their very established brand and a hundred other reasons. And, and, and what happened there is, and I think this speaks to uh, something I've, I've learned since then, which is called the caveman principle, which is if you want to know what people are going to do tomorrow, go back 10,000 years, see what they did then. And that's what they're going to do tomorrow. <laughs> and we're, we're a human uh, race, right? We're a yeah. human, human beings. And we have this DNA level of desire to come together and, and, and you know, meet together and have these big conclaves and, and, and togetherings and conventions. And, and we've done that since, like, you know, time immemorial. You can see, right. you can see cave paintings, you know, that that showcase this, you know, town squares, uh, all of these structures are built around the idea that people want to come together. So that's what trade shows really are in the end. Right. And, and so I, as much as I think, you know, that, that just like many other brands or products or uh, even categories of product, you know, buggy whips or, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, uh, Nordic walking poles. <laughs> there's an arc for everything. And, right. and I think that despite the fact that the arc may, may be, you know, waning in, in certain shows, uh, the desire for us to come together is still very real and will, and will definitely continue to manifest. So 
that's kind of where I, where my head is. Even though I do agree, I think I think you're right. You know, the the boycott, you know, is 30 brands or something on a on a letter from the Conservation Alliance. But the latest version of that show was hundreds and hundreds of companies short of where it once right. was not that long ago. So what happened? Did everyone follow the boycott? Um, no. And, and and was the boycott an excuse? Probably, yes. Uh, I think that, that the value of trade shows overall across all markets is suspect because, because now we have this thing called the internet where you can discover, you can find, you can, uh, you know, we're doing this thing via Zoom. We're talking as right. if we're in the same room, but you didn't have to fly anywhere and get a hotel room and neither did I. Right. And some of the value of the shows has been has been changed over. And certainly before the pandemic, this movement had already started. Yeah, and I, we're definitely going to get to that point. I'm going to get to the end. I want to talk to you about what you're doing at, at Big Gear and, and exactly where is the value of these shows. But I think you, you kind of nailed it because one of the one of the one reason maybe I sound a little I don't say aggressive, but I'm kind of opinionated about this is, that, you know, the about the boycott specifically is just seeing conversations on LinkedIn of like, you know, after the recent show in January of, Hey, we need to get past this boycott and these brands need to come back. And so it, there are those out there who really feel like that this is, they're not there because, you know, and there, and like, so there's going to come a time maybe when they come back. And the thing I, I almost to take a glass half full approach. I went to the show last summer, the last one in the, in Denver. And as yeah. first one I had been to definitely since before the pandemic, um, I think the first one, last one I went to was the first one in Denver. And my impression last summer was the show was a little bit more like its roots. You know, they had been, um, you know, the, the big players weren't there. There were lots of young upstart brands, which it was really kind of cool. Now there were, as a guy in his pushing 50 and he's been in the outdoor industry for a long time, there were booths with like pool toys and stuff like that, which were sort of like, is this outdoor retailer? Like what the hell is going on? But but, you know, but at the same time, it's a convention center now, judging by what I saw in Salt Lake, where that's only two thirds full, you know, and I kind of wonder is, is that a sustainable business model? Because if that's the way it is, like, I'm not here to crap on anything like great, be that. But I also know that probably what Emerald took over whenever they took it over was probably a much more profitable show than maybe what it is now. Now, I don't know the ins and outs of that, but I mean, is your impression that the show is profitable still, like without the anchor brands, are those they needed to have a a money-making enterprise here? Oh, no. I, I think shows can definitely be profitable without Anchor, without the biggest brands of, of any industry. You know, for mm. CES, one of the biggest shows in the country, for most of its existence, never didn't have Apple, didn't have Microsoft, didn't have the, the power players of consumer electronics. Well, then how can you be the trade show for that industry? Well, mm. the you have to know what trade shows are for. You know, what? why are there trade shows? You know, does Nike need trade shows? No, Nike no. does not need trade shows. They are, you know, they're, does Walmart need <laughs> they, trade they shows? They are the no. trade. <laughs> yeah, they're their own trade show, right? Yeah, That's yeah. True. They create their own weather. They have their, you know, so much firepower and marketing. Um, you know, they eclipse our entire sector of the industry. Like they're 40 billion, like yeah. our entire sector. We talk about 800, but let's face it, that includes you know, every booking agent that booked a travel trip. RV parks. <laughs> yeah, everything. Like that's yeah. literally everything. Every gallon of gas that went into your SUV. I mean, it, it's at the very comprehensive number. So, and that's good. It, you know, it gets people's attention when you say that, but 
but our, you know, without fishing and hunting and motorized, which is the biggest category, you know, it, let's, we're down in that zone, you know, more in this altogether the size of Nike. Right. And so, you know, the trade shows are really for smaller and, and medium-sized companies, you know, to kind of level up with those big brands. And when the big brands aren't in that environment, it's a little bit harder to feel like you're leveling up. Like, what are you leveling up to? But that doesn't mean it's not valuable. I think the show can definitely continue to be valuable um, because it's, it's showcasing and amplifying the stories that are up and coming, you know, so it's the right. GoPro in 2005 or Keen Footwear and to 20, 2009 or whenever they, you know, launched. And, and that's where, that's what all these brands are looking to do. Like, I want to be the next Arcteryx, right? You know, when I started in the show in 99, like Arcteryx wasn't a thing. It was right. the tiniest little chalk bag company or, you know, <laughs> they made harnesses, I think, and chalk bags, but, but, you know, they, they blew up and, and that's, the show has a, a lot to do with that because it, it allows these smaller brands to get this pretty much the same face time. They might have a smaller booth, but they have the same chance of seeing that key buyer and making that connection with, with um, key players, either on the media side or on the retailer side. So that's the, that continues to be the value of the shows, regardless of big brands. The, the needs for shows, it's so difficult of a business to be in because the needs change very fast. I mean, yep. <laughs> there's no, no better lesson than, oh, let's have a global pandemic, you know, drop the events to zero and then see what happens and then right. try to come back. Like that's the, the pace of change is, is on that level, but you really get once a year to iterate your thing. You know, like you're doing, you're doing some cool, you know, podcasts, you're, you're delivering content to people. It's interesting and timely and like right on point. And, but you can learn each week you do it. I can do it a little bit better. I can use this tool or that tool. You know, me being an events person in the trade show world, I have once a year to iterate. Right. So for me to like get through a few iterations takes a few years. And that is very slow adaptation in a market that's changing really fast. So it's, it's so very hard to do that. If like, so if you look at the two main reasons to kind of boil it down to the simplest thing, if you have, because my thing is like for a long time, you know, OR through those kind of height of its days, like people weren't writing orders of the show. I think remember the first time you and I met was when I was managing sales at ProBar and I was desperately trying to get sales at the show. And we had retailers there and sales reps who were pushing programs. No one wrote any orders. Right. Yes. And as, so it be, always became this conversation about, well, do we go without a sort of bottom line metric? Or is the sort of nexus event, the sort of gathering of the tribe, the FOMO to not miss out enough to draw us back? And for a long time, it was. I mean, then I'd go, I went on to other brands and we had the same conversations. So yeah. with all of these things, right? Because you're right. I mean, I can I can meet with my dealers over Zoom. I can always pop into stores if I have retailers. I'm a, I'm a sales rep. Uh, brands can uh, do lots of things now that they couldn't do before with proven throughout the pandemic. Where should the focus be? Like, where? what is the role for trade shows as we move forward? I think that th there's there's a couple of things I would say to that. One is to stay connected to the core of the market you're serving. And it's, so it's very hard for shows to be soup to nuts. Like if you're trying to be connected to 10 different industry segments all at the same time, that's a pretty difficult lift because they're, each of them are have needs and, and those needs are changing depending on their supply chain situation or the distribu distribution or the demand that's suddenly gone from zero to 60. 
uh, or the other direction. So you've got to have fingers on the pulse of the specific market you're working on. Mm -hmm. And and then um, and then the other thing is it is built around the structure, the financial structure of your business. Like and that that dictates how adaptable you can be. Like if you are private equity owned and you have expectations from shareholders that are driving the decision making in your company, mm -hmm. are you able to like on a dime flip your business model and say, oh no, you can't, you're not gonna do this, going to do that, and then sell that upstream to your shareholders and they're gonna be okay with it? Like I'm not the smartest guy in the room on you know financial structures, but my experience is that's a hard sell. You know? Right. You know, because what they're looking for is kind of you know, quarterly profit statements, you know, maybe uh, a couple of years of horizon, but not, no, and this might be endemic actually to all business models in the US. And that is, mm -hmm. you know, who's got the 10 year business plan? Who's investing this year for a 10 year payout or 20? Right. You know, when we're talking about things like that, that I'm passionate about, like inclusion and broadening the tent of our industry and welcoming new brands and people in who are, who are non-traditional from different communities, like that initiative is not going to be something that I'm working on today. And, and in Q2 of next year, I'm going to see the results. Like it's going to be Q2 10 years from now. Yeah. So, so who's willing to invest in that? And, and so, you know, I think that the value, get back to your question, you know, what's the new value of trade shows? I would say it's wrapped around, it's still wrapped around the discovery uh, component combined with, the face-to-face, -face, that 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 caveman principle idea, that networking, like the reason people came to OR, there was so many different reasons. But one of the biggest things was that the likelihood that you would meet someone new somewhere on the show floor or off of it, in a club, in a bar, at a restaurant, on some rooftop with a guitar player, you never know, you know, that's going to spark a relationship that turns into business in the future whether that's an employee or a uh, person that you partner or collaborate with, or you join their team. Like there's all the, you know, that's what happened, right? You went from pro bar to where? Uh, to goo to polar check. I mean, and, and definitely, right. you know, the show played a role at all of those places. Right. So I think that's part of that. The wind underneath that caveman principle is that because yeah. that's what happened. You know, you meet a, you meet your girlfriend, you meet your boyfriend, you meet your boyfriend's girlfriend, you meet, you know, people and they become meaningful in your life and in your business. And that's, you know, we're talking about an industry that's, that's passion driven. Like this is, people are not in this industry to make a billion dollars and own an island. Like if that's your goal in the outdoor industry, you are um, in the wrong business. Like go into pharmaceuticals or consumer electronics or high passion or some high risk, high reward game. Yeah. Because that's how you get that is, you know, you've, you're going to, you're going to try 10 times, lose nine, win one, and then you're on your way. Right. But yeah. You we, I mean, for all the times we sat there going, man, should we go back for the show? You know, and we always ended up going back, you know, like, but we never afterwards been like, oh man, that was a massive mistake. Because if, even if like, we couldn't say, oh, X number of orders came from attending that, all the things you're just describing, all those little variables, the gray area. I'm, I'm boiling it down to these kind of big points because I'm trying to think like, if I was going to make a decision today, how would I make that decision? Mm -hmm. But you know, this is, like you point out, the outdoor industry. It is passionate. It is about that gathering of the tribe matters. That high school yeah. reunion element matters. 
Right. It sounds trivial and it sounds like there's no line item on your P&L that has that on it. Right. So it's hard to justify, especially kind of the bigger and more industry or professional your leadership team is, the mm-hmm. more they're going to kind of count the data points and move the move the beans around and, and see. And, and it's very hard to articulate this particular value, especially after a few years of that line item being essentially zeroed and the business is is vibrant, like, you know, because the demand has been right. so high. That's a good segue. So I want to talk to you about consumers, right? I keep seeing calls for consumer attendance as a way for shows to evolve. I mean, big gear show, you guys are adding a consumer element. As a as someone who worked at a brand, if it was someone said, hey, we're going to open up the doors to consumers uh, and just let them run in and talk to people in brands. Well, now they're just looking, you know, it's a bunch of swag whores looking for free stuff. It doesn't really seem to accomplish much, accomplish, accomplish much. Those are hard words to say. But plus the consumers that are impacted are typically the locals where you're having the show. So my thought was that it'd almost be easier to integrate a wholesale element into an existing consumer event. Like so Sea sea Otter, for example, right? You know, where there's an event where people travel to. You could have a little back room in each booth where the retail buyers or wholesale partners can meet. But- I guess it's a long way to ask, does you know adding a consumer element actually matter? Or is that just an example of throwing things at the wall to see what sticks? I think I think it does matter. I think that in some markets you can study and you can see that that this is already happening. Uh, but there's probably some element of it that's that's a little bit trial and error. I think trade shows as as different from consumer shows, because there's there's thousands of consumer shows already on the ground. It's right. just that our our version of the outdoor industry, that human powered, blah blah blah, blah <laughs> we we don't we don't have that. Like we don't have consumer shows around that. You know, marathons right. are consumer shows now. Sea Otter is a great example of a bike yep. consumer show that has turned into a quasi oh, trade boat show. shows. Right? How many times you see boat shows and RV shows and all of those things? Yeah, Th- those are prevalent in every in every region of our country. Um, just not in our version of, of that outdoor wreck, you know, that right. hiking, camping, climbing, adventure, out, mountaineering, you know, paddle sports. I'm kayak. looking at the world through a peephole. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. it's like, so, this is so my outdoor had, world. <laughs> yeah. We haven't had that. And so, so it is kind of a new idea. You're right. And so, but the key, as you, as you, as you mentioned, is that we organize it properly and that it's not that we're flinging the doors open and, Consumers come in and then, you know, the retailers see their best customer and, you know, and, and they're going over to the, you know, to talk to some other retailer or whatever, making it all confusing. I think it has to be well organized. Mm-hmm. And, but here's the thing of today, I think, is that consumers have, have a lot more influence on other consumers today. And they have an influence through this thing called the Internet where they write reviews about your product and they and they are they have their circle of of friends that they influence with their choices and they and they have this reach that they didn't used to be this they just used to be kind of like individual people that bought my product and now they're part of this network and they they're the line between consumer and prosumer and you know we make up these words to to help put people in boxes but the truth right. is Consumers is a very broad category, and some of them are highly influential. Some of yeah. them are guides, or they're going to be a guide next year, or they're going to be, or you know, uh, leading this club or this affinity group that 
you know, if they speak well of your brand and of your product, suddenly, you know, you've got hundreds of thousands of people knowing about you that you paid zero for that. That's right. what influencers are. You know, we, that term didn't exist 20 years ago. Yeah, or it's the mom with the mom's group has a huge Facebook following, but Jesus, that didn't I exist mean, before. Right. Right. And so ignoring consumers is a very um, problematic thing, I think, for brands. And so finding a place, having it organized and having a place where a marketing team can interface with consumers, especially you know, highly interested or qualified consumers that can right. come in. And, you know, that's really the key to it. I think Colin is, you know, can you curate this group in a specific way? And, um, you know, that kind of remains to be seen, but a lot of how, where you put the show, how you do your outreach exactly is going to dictate who's going to come in, you know, what kind of flowers, for example, in your garden is going to dictate what kind of bugs and birds are going to come in. And that's the same thing with the consumer show marketing opportunity. So if you just fling the doors open and, you know, call it what, you know, let let the free market do its thing, then you're probably in for some failure. I think that the show of the future is going to, is going to thread the needle between inclusivity. So it's going to be more welcoming to more categories and more people, Mm -hmm. but at the same time, more focused, like, well, how do you do that? You know, how do you, how do you create a lens that does this and that does this? Um, so, so it's not an easy, easy ask, but that's what the industry needs in my view. And I, and I think that for a while here, we're going to have, we're going to have these kind of super specialized events. Uh, you know, I, I work on a few of them, you know, in Joshua Tree, I do Climb Smart, uh, with Yoon, I do the Outdoor Media Summit and, uh, and the Big Gear Show is really set up to, to welcome more people in like really define what I would call the, the new outdoor industry, the no, or I should say the new, more inclusive outdoor industry. Um, and it's going to be a discovery zone uh, for sure. So it's going to be that it might not have, you know, all the banner brands in the first year or really in this next year, because um, they don't, like we talked about Nike, like they don't, they, they're the least needy of the, of the entities out there and they will mm-hmm. come you know, if they see a leadership opportunity to, to lead out on behalf of the industry, um, because in the end, this is about industry health, industry growth, and bringing our, bringing our, this offering to where the people are, you know, and right. that's we've not done that, you know, we've not done a great job of that. So if you yeah. look ahead five years, you know, I, ideally, where do you think we are with, with, just trade shows in general, big gear, otherwise, like where would you like to see things be at five, 10, maybe five years isn't this too soon, but you know, if you look at, look ahead, look in your crystal ball, where, where would you like to see things? Yeah. You know, I, I wish my crystal ball was uh, clearer than everyone else's, but I'm, I can't promise <laughs> that. But uh, you know, it's been an interesting experience to, to be in this perch where I'm, I'm observing and participating in these ebbs and flows of, of industry segments and, and movements and brands and, so I've been watching it at that level for a while. So maybe maybe my crystal ball just is focused differently. But I don't think five years is too long. I think that I think eventually there will be this more um, central hub type of event, and then the spokes and the and the regionals will be connected to that event um, in a way that supports each other, that welcomes more people in, and that drops into where the people are. I think. Uh, we're, we're in a really good position there because there's a lot of reasons to believe that Colorado is a really great place 
to call the epicenter of our industry gathering. And so, you know, boycott notwithstanding, I think just the just the approach or the uh, ability to bring together so many that are already in proximity there. Uh, I think all the stars are kind of aligned that way. We just have to kind of get over this section. It's, it's a difficult time right now economically. There's a lot of uncertainty, even though every, everyone who's, you, you know, been through some recessions like you and yeah. I, we know how our industry does in recession. It's going to yeah. do fine. You see big years hopefully becoming that almost nexus event. That, that, that's the thing that people start driving towards and coming to. That, that's where you would like to see the, the, the event get to? Absolutely. Thank you so much for joining us. Anything you want to plug, let people know what you have going on? Sure. I mean, I hope people will visit thebiggearshow.com or erevolution.bike or is it e-revolution.bike and learn more about this new show format uh, coming to Denver, Colorado in June. So, um, or you can reach out to me directly at Kenji at thebiggearshow.com. Perfect. Thanks so much, buddy. Hey, thank you, Colin. Keep up the good work, brother. Thanks, man. Okay, that's our show for today. I want to thank my guest, Kenji Hartunian, for joining me. Definitely follow him on LinkedIn, and you can learn more what he's up to if you head over to www.thebiggearshow.com. Want to pick a fight with The Rock Fight? We want to hear from you. Send your comments and suggestions, including your experiences at outdoor retailer over the years, over to myrockfight at gmail.com. Please give us a five-star rating and leave a comment wherever you are listening to the show. That would be quite appreciated. The Rock Fight is a production of Rock Fight, LLC.